and welcome to episode 11 of Id, Ego, and Us. I'm Julia. I'm Shreya. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing friends, freedom, festival, and fairness. So, segments will include theories in which we'll discuss social exchange, You Need to Know, where we'll learn some very important information on Juneteenth, then we'll move into Front Row Ticket and discuss In the Heights, and end off with everyone's favorite segment, Food for Thought. Let's get into it. Today we'll be discussing the social exchange theory. This concept can be quite complex, but it is generally a simple idea. Humans tend to remain in or leave relationships based on costs and benefits, and that is essentially what the social exchange theory proposes. So in any constant interaction or social relationship, people will inadvertently weigh what it is they are giving a person and what they are gaining from said person. For example, if a friend of yours is constantly asking to borrow your things, you may regard this as a negative, but if they give you rides to places and pay for your food, then the benefits may outweigh the costs and you would choose to remain in that relationship. So really what we do is subtract the costs from the benefits and determine the sum in an ideal gain form of the relationship. This quote-unquote leftover is known as a positive relationship if the benefits outweigh the costs or a negative relationship if the costs outweigh the negatives. Obviously, costs and benefits will be different for each person, meaning that the way you enter a relationship matters greatly. Other than basic human decency, you won't know what to expect from others in terms of what they perceive as a cost, so immediately setting, settling in may not be the safest idea if it is crucial that this person holds a high opinion of you. This can affect relationships in the workplace, personal lives, and really anywhere you go and anyone you interact with. Another thing that we do is wage expectations and compare people to one another. If in a previous relationship you were constantly pampered and shown excessive affection, then you might enter a new relationship expecting the same. But if the person you're entering the new relationship with is less affectionate, this may raise your perceived costs and make it so that the person does not meet your expectations. Speaking of relationships, the social exchange theory also accounts for the honeymoon phase. When first meeting a person, costs tend to be minimized and benefits exaggerated because a lot of people feel the need to find someone to sympathize with, so they'll ignore all red flags. Later on in the relationship, costs will maximize and benefits will be viewed more realistically. It's really then that this risk of relationship termination arises, but it may also be what solidifies the relationship. With that, I implore you to be conscious of the costs you burden others with, but also don't take all of this information and base your actions off of it. Be true to yourself and the right friends, partners, etc. will find their way to you. That being said, let's move on to You Need to Know. Welcome to You Need to Know. Today we are talking about a topic that's so important, so enriching, and so inspiring. That is, the celebration and history of Juneteenth. Juneteenth is short for June 19th, and it's the oldest known African-American celebration of emancipation. Although the Emancipation Proclamation was signed on January 1st, 1863 by Abraham Lincoln, it took a while to spread the news to Texas because it was the westernmost state at the time. 
Two years later, on June 19, 1865, Union Army troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, to let the people there know that all slaves were to be free, and they emancipated over 200,000 slaves in Texas. It is important to know that Juneteenth was not the end of slavery because slavery continued in the slave states in the Union. The Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to them. It was not until the addition of the 13th Amendment in the December of 1865 when slavery was made illegal. But the story doesn't end there. Naturally, some people were mad that they couldn't have slaves anymore, so they started fights. This helped, uh, this helped form segregation, a time when the white people and the black people were extremely separated, and black people weren't even allowed to vote, but that didn't stop them from celebrating their freedom. Some black communities raised funds to pur purchase land and continue their celebrations. In the beginning, to celebrate Juneteenth, people would pray, recite the Emancipation Proclamation, and have food. In the 1910s, the Great Migration happened, and the celebration of Juneteenth went with them. Later, as more influ influential figures like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. rose to fame, Juneteenth became more than the day black slaves got their freedom. Juneteenth is a symbol of the end of black bondage and the promise that African Americans will be treated equally. If you follow the news, you've probably heard that Juneteenth is officially a federal holiday. And if you haven't, that's what we're here for. First up, what is a federal holiday? I actually didn't know what it was uh, until I searched it up because of Juneteenth. It, but it just means that it is recognized by the government and also that people get a paid day off. So yeah, on June 17th, 2021, President Joe Biden signed the National Independence Day Act. Uh, I am so glad that I'm allowed to experience this and I hope that we will continue to honor the bravery and determination of African Americans. With that, let's go to our next segment, Front Row Ticket, where Julia will discuss the soundtrack of In the Heights. Welcome to Front Row Ticket. I know it's been a while since we've done this segment, so I think it's great to have it back. As done in previous Front Row ticket segment, here's a short disclaimer. I know that Shreya's watched a few herself, um, but I myself have only ever seen Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway. I am a huge Broadway fan, but that's based solely on the countless soundtracks that I listen to on repeat. Hamilton I've watched on Disney+, and others I've watched in high school and middle school productions, but not on Broadway itself. As for In the Heights, this one is special to me because although I have not watched it on Broadway, it is number one, written and starred in by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who I absolutely adore, two, a fantastic storyline that need needed to be spoken and was done so very well, and three, really the first musical I was ever really into. So I've watched a few clips of it online, but my first true, true first experience with it was when my sister was in her high school's In the Heights production. As for the musical itself, In the Heights actually debuted off-Broadway in 2007 before transferring to Broadway. The story is the tale of a Latinx community in a New York City neighborhood called Washington Heights. It follows really the entire neighborhood in sharing their life stories and dreams for the future, but I would say it centers around four characters being Usnavi, Vanessa, Nina, and Benny and their families. Although the great thing about this neighborhood is that even though it centers around these families, in such a tight-knit community, everyone 
is their family or their friends, so they really all play a role in the unveiling of this tale and the eventual outcome. Moving into the music though, each song is so well written to construe this tale that I couldn't possibly pick favorites. They all place in so well and tell the story so well that you could figure out the entire storyline just from the music, but I'll happily share some that I think have really special factors. First and foremost, the opening song. It is a musical sort of rap of uh, sung by Usnavi, who is almost the main character and, by the way, is played by Lin-Manuel Miranda her- himself, and tells us so many different things at once. He tells us about his present time and how his milk has expired so he won't be able to sell coffee at his shop, and he introduces characters such as Abuela and the ladies from the salon. He gives backstory on other characters and he tells us about his past and how he got his name. It is a very fun, upbeat song and is so much fun to sing along and must have taken a great amount of practice to nail it every time because I myself mess up all the time. I also really enjoy When You're Home, which is basically Benny and Nina reuniting as she's just returned from college. They race around the neighborhood reminiscing on things that they used to do, and I particularly like it because of the way it rises into an upbeat song before slowing down again and then picking up pace once more, as well as the fact that it seems as if they're having a conversation, and I just think that's so cool. Some other great ones are Alabanza, which is a slow song by multiple characters. I'd love to say more, but it would give too much away of the plot, And uh, as well as Blackout, which is a combination of all the characters in the club having this huge, confusing conversation, trying to find each other because the lights have all gone out, and then the ensemble joins in and there are fireworks and it's completely a mess, but an organized chaos, and so fun to listen to, it makes you just want to jump around. Lastly, I'd like to mention Champagne, which is yet another moment between Nina and Benny, and it won't be long now. My favorite part of which is when Usnavi asks Vanessa out, and he's completely nervous until she says yes, and he starts boasting about it, how uh, he's the best that there's ever been, and it's one of the funniest parts of the musical, I'd say. I myself have not gone to watch it at the time of the recording, but by the time this is out, I will have. Uh, but I've heard nothing but great things, and what it got is to be expected from such a great collection of producers paired up with Lin-Manuel Miranda's immense talent. I hope that you go to watch the movie so you'll have something to discuss. If you'd like to bring up a specific moment in the movie or anything of the sort, you can tag us under any of the In the Heights Twitter hashtags, and we would love to discuss it with you. I couldn't tell you about the movie, but in the play, the dance routines are incredibly intricate and the vocals even more so, and the plot itself is a real eye-opener in terms of emotional effects of love, education, poverty, family, and distance. So with that, I hope you go watch the In the Heights movie in theaters now, and this is not sponsored, (laughs) let's go straight into Food for Thought. Hey, I feel like this episode is going by really quick, but here we are in our last segment, Food for Thought. Today's question is, what's more important, doing the right thing or doing things right? So, at first, I failed to interpret the question. Like, I was like, doing the right thing or doing things right isn't that basically the same thing? But Julia, of course, so kindly explained it to me, and I still don't 100% understand it. Um... 
I just can't wrap my head around it for some reason. But I think that doing the right thing is always important. Like, uh, I this just reminds me of that one saying where they say, if if you have to choose between the right thing and the nice thing, always do the nice thing. And I feel like this is kind of sort of like that. But at this point, it's like you you should you should just do the right thing. Like, always do what is morally correct to you. That's all I have to say about that. Unless, like, Julia is going to say something now and then I get some new idea. But, yeah, I'm just going to pass the mic over to Julia. Right, so as Shreya said, I shared my interpretation with her. I'm sure that there are many ways to read the question, but I saw it as, is it better to do the morally correct thing that will benefit society and not harm others or to be able to do things correct such as like assembling machinery do and everything that you do you do it correctly no mistakes to be made um i personally think that doing the right thing is more important um i feel like if not the meaning of life then one of the meanings of life is to make it the best for other people and it's like i don't really know how to phrase this to make others happy and to live your life not only for yourself but for the sake of humanity and in making the world a better place and i think that if you're doing the right thing but making mistakes and doing things right such as assembly machinery you're learning from your mistakes in a way that isn't harming others and well theoretically not harming others if you're building an airplane and you do so incorrectly i feel like that may have some flaws but hurting others emotionally and leaving them scarred I think is more likely in not doing the right thing and if you can't do things right there's always a way to learn and that type of mistake is not as fatal I would say uh that's all that I have Shreya do you have any more all right so that's it for that question our second question is can life be meaningful without friends um, Julia, do you want to go first for this one? Yeah, sure, I'll start us off. Um, I think that friends add meaning to life. I don't think that you need to be reliant on them, and anyone can be independent and still live a meaningful life. Um, but I think that it, it, life is more enjoyable with friends, and that it is easier to, as I said, benefit the lives of others if you have close and personal people that you can relate with, and... I think that the more that you come to realize that there are other people in the world like you and who resonate with you and enjoy the same things as you and enjoy you as a person, you enjoy this experience of life, even though there are many actions that you can take that will still make your life meaningful without having friends. So I think that it can make life meaningful in some ways and it can definitely make it easier to have a meaning in life, but that it is not the only option. Sure. Yes, I agree with you. Um, life would be pretty, like, boring without friends. I mean, like, yes, you have cousins, you have parents, you have classmates, but if you don't really establish a bond with them, you you would kind of feel lonely. You wouldn't have a companion, you know, that's, like, the same age as you or, like, the same interests as you or, you know, the same level of humor as you. Like, I feel like you always need to find, like, a mutual ground with another person and... Uh, it'll give you something to look forward to, something to yearn for. Um, so yeah, definitely friends are a big part of life, but I feel like they're not the only part of life. There are other things that 
can bring you purpose. Uh, like, I don't know, like, your job, I guess, and, like, your family can give you purpose, your, like, your hobbies can give you purpose, but friends are a, a good substantial part of your life that you should definitely put in effort to make some friends and stuff, but it doesn't mean that you should just 100% of the time focus on making friends, 100% hang out with them all the time. You know, there's a balance to everything, so yes, friends, but not too many. Well, not not in that way, but, like, don't spend... Well, I'm not going to say that, but, like, just make sure that you balance everything because balance is key. Do you have anything else to say, Julia? Uh, no, I think that's all that I have. I agree with all that you said, uh, and I think this brings us into our closing. A few announcements for you guys. Our Twitter and Instagram are both up and running now. Our Instagram is the same handle as our Twitter, id, ego, and us, no caps, no spaces. Uh, if you'd like to talk about any of the segments or anything that you'd like to discuss, you can tag us and t on Twitter. We've been having some fun conversations. Uh, feel free to do so. We really enjoy it. And that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening.